Welcome back to season 11, episode 32 of the Digital Orthopedist Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the Doctors of Experience 2023. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for this podcast series. In our next episode, we'll hear from Stephen Levine, and he has done incredible work on the concept of digital twins. And specifically, he's going to talk to us about where he thinks he can go in orthopedics. This is a very exciting lecture. Please join me as we welcome Dr. Levine to the Dr. Seth stage. So what I'm going to talk about, as uh, Stefan said, is something that we actually like to use the term virtual twin. We just saw a brilliant presentation on the use of virtual reality. The idea of really melding what's in our mind with the computer. So you can imagine all what happens in our mind, all of our innovation, our learning all happens inside this virtual world that we create inside our heads. But you can't collaborate inside your head. And so this concept of the virtual twin is capturing not only what's in your head, but everything we know about it and bring it to life in what we call the virtual world, which is on the computer. And so let me start by introducing our company. You probably haven't heard of us. Deso Systems is not a small company. We've been around for four decades, $6 billion software company. You probably haven't heard of us because you're not going to find us in the hospital or the ASCs. But if you design an implant or a surgical robot, no doubt you're using our tools for doing computer-aided design, computer-aided engineering. So we have a long-term legacy of actually helping to build better products. I'm here today because about 10 years ago, we decided to expand our purpose, which is really to help not just build great products or help companies to build great products, but actually to help build a better, more sustainable world, something we called harmonizing product, nature and life. So build a better world, the people inside of it, bring our technologies, this virtual twin concept to everything we do. And so that set us on a course to really understand, well, how do we go beyond products to the natural world? And so today I'm here because we are now trying to collect the knowledge it takes to actually bring those technologies into your world. And so one of the things we did, because we're an evidence-driven company, we've brought on board a company called Metadata. So we now have access to the world's largest clinical trial data set, more than 30,000 clinical trials we've run on our cloud-based system. So we have all this data. We collect about 500,000 medical images a year. So we have this incredible resource. We've heard a lot about training artificial intelligence. Well, our hope is to train it on this medical information, be very purposeful about it. We've had 9 million patients, and so we're using this information, kind of bringing it together with our core technology, which I'll kind of walk you through a little bit. So this is a kind of an easy to understand idea of what a virtual twin is. So this is a video made by one of our customers, an athletic sports company. And here you see the athlete on the left, the real athlete, and this virtual twin on the right. So by taking those sensors, so he's wearing this supportive athletic clothing, and the goal is to have the minimum amount of clothing in the areas where you need to provide relief to the muscles and support where you need the accurate. And so we can take the sensors, replicate the motion, and then use our physics engine to find out what's actually happening on that real twin. And then you can color code it so you can see what's happening. And then you can optimize the virtual version of the real. And then of course you can see what happens in the real world afterwards. So you can use it for design, monitoring, et cetera. 
So this is kind of our legacy, just so you kind of have a sense of where we come from, why we think we can be relevant in this space. So we started back in the 80s. You may remember, some of you may remember computers in the 80s. Some of you were not born in the 80s. We were building planes on the computer back in those days. We were helping people to stop building out of wood and trying to fit it together so the wings fit with the fuselage. And let's see if we can create a digital copy. In those days, all we could do is do a part at a time and just how it looked. But over time, computers got better and now we're able to actually model the entire process, how to build it, how to drive it, how to crash it. Planes, of course, we just heard about virtual reality and training in medical simulation. Well, as I'm sure you all know, in aerospace, a pilot doesn't train on the plane. He trains on a virtual reality version of the plane, but it doesn't just look like it. It behaves exactly like a plane. And that all comes from sensors. That is taking what happens in a real plane and putting it into the virtual twin. And that's how they train. And so, as I said, we mentioned, we made this big leap. And about two years ago, we made a commitment and Stefan mentioned that I've taken the lead within our company in bringing about this idea of saying, can we do the same for doctors? If we can give an engineer the ability to create the ideal machine, why can't we give a doctor the ability to create the ideal surgery, the ideal patient treatment? And so this is just sort of an example of what we do in the automotive space and giving you a sense we heard about virtual reality. Well, this is a virtual reality sort of version of a real car crash. That's not a real car. In fact, we all see virtual cars. We all see crash dummies on TV. Well, turns out that 99% of all the crashes are like this. They don't do real cars anymore. You can see how accurate it is. You can see the shock waves that go through the glass, propagating all the way to the roof of the car. This is not just looks like a car, it behaves completely like a car. And, and so, Companies now in the automotive space, in the aerospace, they build commercial versions of the cars and then they actually crash them. And of course, you can do things like peel the skin away and see what happens inside so the engineers can optimize what will happen, replicating the real world situation, but doing it in the virtual world on the virtual twin. And of course, you see inside our car is not a passenger, it's a dummy representing all of us because that's what the industry wants. And so we have set out to see if we can do a little bit better. Since our goal was to try to take this technology and build a better world, better life for all of us, I thought, well, what are we doing in the medical space? Are we working? And so here are some examples at the same time when the automotive companies were building entire cars, the aerospace companies, entire jets, we were helping cardiovascular companies build better stents. Here you see something you may be familiar with, an old a wear test. So on the left, you see a real wear test. You put your knee implant in, you run it for three months and you see how well. Standard test for the FDA approval. On the right, you can do the same thing overnight. So if you're trying to build different implants, you don't have to wait three months to test your version. You can do hundreds of different designs in the same time. But one of the things that's missing from this is the patient. These are still very mechanical representations. And so I thought, why can't we represent the patient? After all, the body obeys the laws of physics, just like anything else, chemistry. We know how to do all these things. Why can't we put it all together? And so that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Uh, show you some examples of the way we do it now, so we can actually use all those same methodologies 
take the motion, analyze the kinematics, and reverse engineer what's happening inside the body so you can see what's happening from the outside through the virtual twin so you actually see what's happening to the bones, to the ligaments, to the muscles, how they're being activated, how the stresses are. And so we've built entire workflows to be able to go from the kinematic analysis, to be able to do surgical alignment targets, to look at pain so we can analyze the before, optimize the surgery, and then analyze afterwards to see. So you can actually perform that surgery on the virtual patient before you do it on the real patient. Or if you're designing implants, you can design for the right patient population. You can decide what will give it a better longevity. You want to put it in younger people, so you may want a different action behavior. Large people, small people, you have all the ability to do that in the virtual world rather than having to test it all on actual physical humans. And so we have this great technology foundation that we now put together. Of course, we can also use virtual reality. This is an augmented reality system that doctors happen to actually like quite a bit because you're not stuck in the virtual world with the headsets. It's just right there in front of you and you can start to interact with it and you can decide, okay, here's my surgery. Or as we're seeing in the number of hospitals we're working with, this, you can have three people gather around and all looking at the patient. So instead of looking at the imagery and trying to recreate what's happening, the three-dimensional object from the two-dimensional scans, you can actually be looking at a three-dimensional representation of it. So we now have this great technology. We think we can do exactly the same thing that we've been able to do in these other worlds. And we just heard two elements, two ingredients, talking about artificial intelligence, which helps us sift through massive amounts of data to tell us what's important or how to identify me in a large population. And then virtual reality, ways of representing that so that we can train our minds to understand what's most important in our most natural way which is in the three-dimensional world, but instead of artificial versions of what you're seeing in the surgical training or in the prep, these all behave like the real world because they all have to obey the laws of nature. That's one of our ground truths. So we have kind of watermarking built into our objects because they can't avoid the fact that they have to behave the way nature intended. And so we have a system to actually now represent the patient and we have access to all this data. And I think we heard earlier the, the goal today is not to talk about how we bring all these things together, but the need is to bring all these things together. And where do they come together is at the patient. And I think that's what we're struggling with, I think, as an industry, is to be able to see how can we take all these fragmented data, the sensor, the image data, the records, their personal, and bring it together because they're not Z-centric, they're not medical center centric, they're patient centric. So how do we get a patient centric system? And so we're, that's what we're building, where we bring together all of the data and then ultimately all of the people that are involved. And so I'm here to talk to you, hopefully, if we have some time today, or at least introduce our idea that we want this patient centric version of the future. And then with that, we can do things like virtual implant testing, patient-specific surgery, so you can be sure you're doing the right one on the right patient beforehand. So, Stefan mentioned that one of the reasons I'm optimistic about what we can do here is because one of my pilots really came in the cardiovascular industry. So, of course, the needs are a little bit higher when your operations are life-threatening. And so, one of my first attempts to see if we could really make a difference in the industry was in cardiovascular. And so I looked out to the world like I did in orthopedics and said, wow, why don't we have a reference model for 
how the heart works. So if you're designing, Justin showed a TAVR, if you're designing those TAVR devices, those valves that replace patients, why are you, test, how are you testing in animals? Why are you testing in humans? Why are we not in virtual versions so we can optimize those procedures, we can train all of those? And I found there's lots of knowledge out there. It's divided between the scientific researchers, the doctors, the engineers, the medical device companies, the regulators. And I thought if we could get them all to work together, could we create that reference and take all the perspectives and let's all use that common reference. And that's what we did. So I created a project 10 years ago called the Living Heart Project, which now has 160 or so member companies representing hospitals, doctors, the regulators, the FDA's part of that, the industry, researchers, and we're all working against the same reference. And that reference now is actually a fully functioning version of the human heart. I won't go into it, I apologize. I know we're an orthopedic center, but this gives me the encouragement we can do it. We're able to create a fully functioning heart. It works just like the real heart, the electrical system, the AV node, the SA node propagates it down. It goes through the Purkinje fibers, stimulates the cardiomyocytes, that contracts, then pumps the blood. We can look at the hemodynamics. You can introduce disease. You can cure those diseases. All works in the virtual twin. And so because we have this great community, hundreds of people all working together, they've taken this same representation, this now common ground truth, and applied it to virtually every type of system that you would encounter in the clinic in a human. So this represents, it can represent all the behavior, not a hundred different models for a hundred different types of systems, but one model that behaves just like all the things. And I mentioned this got attention of the FDA. So we're now working, this is a quote from Dr. Jeff Sheeran, the head of the CDRH, who personally funded a project that we're just coming to the end of now to actually take the heart, represent an entire clinical population. And so we would run a clinical trial on the virtual patient population before the real trial so they can learn how to interpret that data to try to accelerate innovations, reduce the costs and time to market for innovation, kind of the same way we've been able to do it in other industries. It's also being used in the clinic so I don't have time to go into these details. I'd love to talk to you about it. So this is Dr. David Hoganson presenting at our last conference, who's a pediatric cardiologist at Boston Children's Hospital. And there are surgeries where they're using this now to not only train, but they're optimizing the surgery, the most complex surgeries that they have. It's now mandatory to do it on the virtual patient first. He even shared that the doctors, although there was a learning curve, an adoption curve, the final, where they're at now today, is that for the most complicated surgeries, a surgeon comes with their plan. 100% of the time when they sit down with a virtual twin, they come up with a better surgery. So we know that these virtual twins can do a bit better, like we heard with AI, because they have an unfair advantage. But you can use that to your advantage. And so I'm here to kind of call out to the community and say, well, why don't we do that for orthopedics? We have this great technology foundation, but we're not coordinated in the same way. And so I think we can use this sort of ground truth to bring and harness the AI, harness the virtual reality, the training, and maybe bring this to address some of the most greatest challenges that you all face every day. So with that, thank you. Please give it up, Dr. Levine. Thank you. That was fantastic. And if there's one thing I'm trying, there's a bit of a theme here, I hope you're noticing, is I'm trying to point out the obvious, that the airline, or the manufacturing industry, the engineering industry, has already looked at some of the problems that we thought were entirely only being handled by us. 
We need to look outside our small individual workloads to see what other people are doing and learn from them and collaborate across space. So we heard about how we learned from the automotive industry with the talk on the ASC yesterday. I don't know if many of the representatives of large companies knew that you had done all this work on knees, for example, which is phenomenal. And this always happens. We always be open to looking outside of your worldview, see what's happening around us, because it does have applications internally to musculoskeletal care. Thank you so much. We look forward to lots of collaboration in the future. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we do, please do share this podcast with your friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player of choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. 